Well, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the Gospel of John, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this summer we joined Jesus by the sea and we saw plenty of miracles parables and teachings by Jesus. Some stories that we know fairly well, and some stories maybe we didn't know as well as we thought. And the last two weeks, we had gone through what was found in the first 19 verses of John chapter 21. And you may have heard that last week was the conclusion of our series. But I'm here today to add one final little piece, one short little section kind of like how the Gospel of John itself looks. You see, if you read the first 20 chapters of John, you'd get to the end of chapter 20, and this is how it ends. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You could read verse 30 and say, Yes, there are other things that Jesus did that John didn't record, but that maybe Matthew, Mark, and Luke did, because, well, John's gospel is the most unique of them all, and the other three have more in common. No matter how different his book is, verse 31 really wraps up the whole point and purpose of John's gospel. Faith in Christ for eternal life, these words have all been written so that you believe in Jesus Christ, and by believing in him, you will live forever. Nothing more needs to be said after that. Except more is said. In fact, we get one more chapter from John. The story of Peter fishing, the great catch of fish, and Peter being restored. Stories that we don't necessarily need, but stories that are a blessing to have. So today, I'm just going to add one more sermon to the end of our series, and then I'll be done. Listen again to how chapter 21 ends. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. While we may have looked at the end of chapter 20 and thought that, you know, maybe the other gospel writers covered what John didn't, we have a pretty clear here that John is talking about things Jesus did that no one recorded. So many, in fact, that if you were to write them all down, the whole world could not contain them all. Now, I don't know the largest library any of you have ever been to, but, I mean, we're talking like millions and millions of books. Now, if you want to read chapter 21 strictly from after the resurrection until Jesus ascended, and you read the conclusion in light of that, I think it's quite fun to imagine everything that Jesus did for those 40 days, and how many books would be written about that. I mean, we have, a de we have details of a number of appearances from Jesus, and Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 gives us a, a decent summary of those appearances, and you can read the Gospels for more of those details. But if you were collectively to add the amount of time we're given from each of those stories that we have details on, I mean, we'd probably be talking about a few hours at best. But 40 days Jesus is around. Times that by 24 hours, because 
Well, Jesus is in his glorified, resurrected state now, and, and he doesn't need to sleep. I mean, that's 960 hours worth of Jesus TV that we could watch. And if we only see about, say, 10 hours of those in the Gospels, that's 950 hours left still to be written. Every conversation, every other appearance, maybe more miracles, teachings. I mean, so many things happened that we don't know about. There's not even a TV show in the world that has even 700 episodes. And imagine what we'd see. Maybe it's things like Jesus playing with the little children or sitting and reminiscing with seniors. I mean, he, he'd have plenty of years to look back on. Every year, in fact, the world had been around, actually. Maybe it's going out and tending to some sheep, leading them beside still waters. Maybe he went and checked in on those people that we know are mentioned, that Jesus had interactions with, that he had a connection with. I mean, maybe he went and climbed a tree with Zacchaeus. Maybe he went and visited Jairus and his daughter. I mean, the possibilities are endless. Now, the other way you can go is that when John says the world can't contain all the books that would be written about what Jesus did, would say that he is talking about Jesus' entire ministry. So not just 40 days after the resurrection, but those three years of ministry. Again, not everything is recorded in the Gospels for us, and so those three years, how much material do we actually get on Jesus? A few weeks worth? Well, say 156 weeks in three years. Well, let's take off six weeks. So that's, you know, 150 weeks not accounted for times seven times 24. That's over 25,000 hours of content we're missing on Jesus. Imagine what we're missing then. And what if we extended it to Jesus's entire life on earth from his birth to his ascension. I mean, there would just be so much to cover. The point, however, is it doesn't matter what happened that wasn't written down. I mean, sure, we might enjoy speculating on some of those things, but we'll never have any concrete, correct answers because everything that has been recorded, has been written down, are the most important things, the things that we really need. Every piece of doctrine, belief, every story, every verse that is vital to our spiritual life is included for the way that we live our lives, for the way that we live in this world, and for the way we minister at church. What we need is found in God's word. God didn't leave anything vital out. And what has been recorded, we don't add to it and we don't take away from it. Because what we have is good enough. And it's a message that speaks truth. And it speaks the truth in love. God's word makes it very clear that each and every one of us are sinners. That we sin every single day. That we are not good people. Because there is nothing good in us. Because sin dwells in every aspect of our body, of our flesh. We are born into sin. We are born with a sinful nature. And sinning comes naturally for all of us. It's what we do. And as a result of our sin, we deserve death. And not just physical death, 
which will come for all of us unless Christ returns first, what we deserve is eternal death. It's hell. Sin has separated us from God, and there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Sin has created this divide between us and God that we cannot cross or build a bridge to get to him. And a life of sin is a life of pain and suffering and hopelessness. And that's exactly why Jesus needed to come, to be the bridge between us and God, to be the way to eternal life, the only way. And in order for that to happen, Jesus had to live a life of pain and suffering in order to give us hope. He had to take our pain and suffering and sin and hell. And he was the only one who could do it because he is the only one who is both true man and true God. And everything good dwells in him. As you heard in 1 John, there is no darkness in him at all. He is the only one ever to live a perfect life on earth. He is the only one who is worthy. And that's why he became our perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And he did that by being nailed to the cross, where he took the consequences of all of our sins and died the death that we deserve. And he did it because he loves us. His love that is sacrificial, unconditional love. A love that takes everything that's wrong with us, our selfishness, our greed, our lust, our anger, our envy, our hatred, our immorality, and he places it on himself, dying for us all. A love that lays down his life for the sake of ours freely to give us everything. And because of who Jesus is, he rose from the dead. He triumphed over all of our sins. He triumphed over our death, over the devil and hell itself. And he rose in victory as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And because of who Jesus is, he is able to tell us who we are. His precious, dearly loved children, his greatest creation, and the ones he gave his life for. And in our baptism, he again tells us who we are his chosen ones who have been redeemed by him, Christ the crucified. And in the Lord's Supper, he again tells us who we are. We are forgiven, we are redeemed, and we are blessed. God's word and his sacraments are for us and for our blessing, but not just for us, for the whole world. As John writes, which you heard in the New Testament reading, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We proclaim the word of God, his story to the world, so that the world may have fellowship with God as well, that they may believe and have eternal life. We shine the light of Christ into the darkness of the world. And all of us can do this in our own lives. That reminds me of a story. You may have heard this one before. There was a man who would go for a walk along the shore every morning. 
And one day he saw a young man who was reaching down and, and picking something up and gently throwing it back into the ocean. Well, getting closer, he called out, Good morning, what are you doing? The young man paused, looked up, and replied, Throwing starfish into the ocean. He said, Well, I guess I should have asked, Why are you throwing starfish into the ocean? The sun is up and the tide is going out, and if I don't throw them in, they'll die, came the reply. But young man, don't you realize that there are miles and miles of beach and starfish all along it? You can't possibly make a difference. The young man listened politely. Then he bent down, picked up another starfish, and threw it in the ocean, far past the breaking waves. It made a difference for that one, he said. There are millions and millions and millions of people in this world that don't know Christ. The world is full of sin. And so many people are dead sent, set against God and his word. It's easy to think that we can't possibly make a difference, that this is an impossible task. The young man didn't try to gather all of the starfish at once and throw them all back. He took one at a time, threw it back, and moved on to the next. When we reach out to the world that doesn't know Christ, we're not trying to get hundreds or thousands of people at one time. I mean, yes, that would be great. But realistically, it happens one person at a time. It's our neighbor, our parent, our child, our sibling, our friend. These words are written that they may believe and have eternal life. And we treat them the same way Christ treats us with care and concern and love. Not just for their earthly life, but for their eternal life as well. Because God wants all people to believe in him and have eternal life. The same that he wants for us and same that we want for all people as well. So we listen to them and we ask questions and we share the word of God with them. You'll be hearing more about that very soon. The point being this. You can make a difference because Christ has made a difference in you. He has given you the faith to believe in him, the Holy Spirit to live for him, and the words to speak to those who need to hear his message. And if you don't think you can make a difference, Know that it's not about you. It's Christ working in and through you. And Christ makes all of the difference in the world. And he is all that you need. And if you still don't think you can make a difference, then go look in a mirror and see yourself because Christ has made a difference in you. And he has made a difference in everything for you. And he has done everything for you and the entire world. And just as John bears witness to all of the things included in his gospel, you bear witness to the fact that God has changed you through his word and his spirit. It's not about you. It's about him. Amen.
Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.